Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm Andy Mon, one of the pastors here at the Valley, and hey, it's so good to be with you. You join us online, those in the room, wherever you're at. Hey, I am really excited about a new series we got coming up. You just saw the bumper video for that. It's called Shaped. And here's what I've discovered in life, that when you discover how God has shaped you, you'll then discover, begin to discover your purpose in life. Because God has given you uh, almost like, it's like a five combination lock. And when you start to move the tumblers of all five of these different elements of your life, you begin to discover how you're shaped. You need, he's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you passions for things, things that break your heart. He's given you abilities. He's given you a personality. And you've gone through things, experiences both good and bad. And he's created you to be a masterpiece. And he's allowed you in this journey to experience things. And when you put it all together, when you move all the combinations, you discover that God has shaped you in a certain way through your life. And how you're shaped gives you a clue about how God wants to use you in this life. And so in this five-week series, we're going to look at each one of those biblical elements of your life, how God created you, what he's put you through, so you can understand how you're shaped, so then you can begin to discover why you're here. Because isn't that what we want to know? God, why am I here? Why'd you put me here? Well, what am I supposed to do? Well, when you discover how you're shaped, you're going to begin to discover why you're here, what you're to do in this world. Now, there are cards on your chair if you're here in the room with me. Would you take those and invite somebody? Because that's one of the biggest questions of life that people have. Why am I here? What's my purpose? I don't think, I don't feel like I got anything to offer. You know what? If you'll discover how you're shaped, you'll discover what your purpose is. And I have gone, um, as I've talked to people, uh, there are a lot of people that have gone all the way through their life and they've really never taken the time to discover what's God done in me? Who has he created me to be? What has he put me through? How, can, how does God want to use that in his kingdom? And, and, and when you are used in God's kingdom, guess what? You're going to feel blessed along the way. You're going to experience God's best. Well, um, you know, I've, uh, about three weeks ago, I thought it was going to be more part of the series we're in, this Shaken to the Core series. Been a great series. Been listening online. Thank uh, Peter did a tremendous job last week, and uh, you've been experiencing. I was supposed to preach last week, and uh, I got COVID, and uh, so I've been out for three weeks, longest I've ever probably been out. Uh, we went down to Texas to go see my son's football game. Never, I made it. I got to on Sunday. I think I I came in contact with somebody with COVID. And uh, Monday, I got my first vaccine. I thought, you know, monins are dropping left and right. I, I need something, you know, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get it. Whatever, wherever you're at on all that, I'm like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead. Well, I got, I got the sick on Sunday. I'm convinced of that. Monday, I got the vaccine. Wednesday, we flew out, made it to Houston and uh, Texas. And uh, Wednesday night, I was like, out, man. It was for three days. Didn't move a muscle, eventually went to the ER, got some fluids, and they gave me this thing called the monoclonal therapy. Good stuff. I'm just telling you, that like took me in 18 hours, took me from death warmed over to, okay, I can function. I still don't feel great, but I can function. And we end up, didn't get to see the game at all. I walked 10 minutes on the TV 
and uh, so we miss that experience. Things happen, don't they? Isn't it crazy how life happens, and what you have planned doesn't always come to pass, but it's all, it's all okay. God's, God, God's going to work it. I don't know how, you know, but uh, there'll be another game, and here's the deal. Um, we couldn't fly back, so I had to drive back, so for three days, we're driving in a car sick, but we made it, and uh, here we are. I'm about a week out, and uh, so I'm, I'm, like, I'm wearing a mask, but I haven't had symptoms for a week, so, so I'm safe, and uh, I made it through. I get the t-shirt now, and my wife is still, she's had some problem with the breathing, so she's still working through, but she's doing better today, so thank you for praying. Hey, we need each other, and we need your prayers. We, as there are, I don't know how many people in this congregation uh, are, are going through some of the similar things, and so I just want you to pray for each other. As a body of believers, God says we're to pray for each other. And uh, thank you for doing that. Well, as we, as we launch, we finish this series, and it, it finishes next week with, with Taylor, and uh, at least, that God willing, that's what will happen next week. We, we don't all know what's going to happen tomorrow, do we? Um, but today, I, I'm pretty excited about this, the message that I get to preach today, because I'm a risk taker. By nature, I like to take risks. At least I think I do. And uh, that's really what this message is about. And so, we're looking at the core of what makes the valley. Like if you shake everything down about the valley, what are like the top four things that we value? Because look what what Roy Disney said. This was the older brother of Walt. He said, it is not hard to make decisions once you know what your values are. See, we all have to make decisions about what's most important to us. That's what shaking really is. There are 50 million good things out there. What are the four we're going to, we focus on as a church, like the top four priorities? And, uh, and we talked about those. And one of them is that we are to have a brilliant faith. We are to be missional risk takers. And, uh, and that's one of our top five or top four values. And here's the thing. I want you to understand values lead to changes in behavior. Behavior creates culture, and culture ultimately determines the effectiveness of your life, of the church, of, of the mission, wherever you're at. Tony Dungy was this uh, coach, and uh, he, he went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a perennial loser. And uh, he went, and he was trying to figure out, what am I going to do? He, he created a strategy but he recognized that the strategy wasn't gonna, what wasn't going to drive things. In fact, maybe you've heard this, culture eats strategy for lunch. Well, what he discovered was they had a good, some of the strategies were okay. What wasn't okay was the culture, the habits and the practices that they lived out. So what he did was with the players, he created habits and practices and, and, and rhythms that allowed them to succeed. And once those things became a habit, it changed the culture of the team, and then they began to live out the strategy. That's how things work. See, they're, they're successful organizations. A, a church that is doing the things that God has called them to do, a life lived for God has practices and habits. There's a certain culture that's lived out in your life and in your family and in the church. And when you live that out, then you can, then you can be successful about the strategy God's given us. So, so values are important. In fact, Jesus taught that. Mary and Martha uh, were at home. He came to visit them. He's there. And uh, Martha's running around like a free electron, just taking care of business, making sure the food's good and the, the table's set and all that good stuff. And by the way, she was doing good stuff. She was like taking care of Jesus. But Mary's sitting on the floor and spending time with, 
Well, I just picture her sitting on the floor. I don't know if it really says that, but she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, so I just kind of picture that, you know what I'm saying? So, and cross-legged, I don't know what it is, but it, that, that's in my, in my mind. And she's just spending time with Jesus. She's just in the presence of Jesus, and she's not letting anything distract her. And Martha gets all upset and says, Jesus, won't you tell Mary to help me with all the preparations? And, and here's what Jesus says. And, and he's not chastising Martha at all, but he says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And I want you to know you've got a lot of things you can value in life. There are a lot of things you can make important. And you're going to have to decide what are the most important, what are the top shelf things. That's what this Shaken series is about. Jesus says you're going to have to choose. What Martha's doing is great, but it's not the best. Spending time, putting aside the busyness to, to be in the presence of God is what's best. And, and I believe today that being missional risk takers in your life and in the church really expresses a faith that God has called us to. And so we're going to take a look at that, uh, a story that Jesus tells. Um, you're going to find it in Matthew chapter 25. So if you'd turn with me there. By the way, if you have the app, uh, if you go to check-in, you'll see message notes under there, and it's got all the passages of Scripture and fill in the blanks and all that good stuff. Or you can grab your Bible. Turn with me, Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is with the disciples. They've just come out of the temple and, and they say, hey, at the end of the age, when's the temple going to be torn down? What's going to happen? And so Jesus is explaining what the kingdom of God is going to look like and what's all going to happen at the end times. And he tells some stories, and one of those stories is the one we're going to take a look at today. And it's about being missional risk takers, showing faith in your life. So it starts like this. It says, again, it will be like a, a man going on a journey. Now, the man in this story that Jesus is telling, this spiritual story that he's telling, is God the Father. And he says, God the Father goes on a journey, and says, he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. D do you get the import of what this is saying? Like, like, if you really stop for a second, this is amazing. This is bigger than you realize. Because it says, God the Father, the God of all the universe, the creator of everything, who's made everything and in whose hands are everything, has entrusted his plan, his people, his wealth, his kingdom, his resources into your hands. See, you're his plan A and there is no plan B. See, the them are followers of Jesus Christ, those who are his disciples. And so if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, he's put his people, his kingdom, his resources in your hand. That ought to be pretty amazing to you. That also ought to tell you, God the Father must be a risk taker in some sense, that he would entrust his people, his plan, his resources in the hands of a frail, weak, sinful people who are human beyond belief <laughs> at times. And he entrusts his resources with us. It says, it says to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. And so in this story, in the parable Jesus is teaching, he says, he says we, we, we read five bags of gold here in another uh, another translation, the word talent is used. A talent was a unit of measure for money. So we're talking about money here, but I want you to know, I think the principle, this primarily, this is really about money, but, but the principle applies 
to your time and your energy, to the control of your life, to, to all those things that you have in your hand. I really believe it applies. The principle is the same for all those. And it says that one got five talents, another two, and another one. Uh, a talent was equal to 30,000 denarii, and one denarii, just a single one denarii, was, a, it was the wage for a common man, a labor in the day. So 30,000 denarii, that's like more than you can make in a lifetime. So the five ba bags of gold, the five talents, ah, that's, that's a lot. That's more than you can even imagine. But even the one who just got the one talent, the one bag of gold, that was more than almost we could comprehend. Imagine your, all the wages you, you could earn in a lifetime at a decent job, and, and beyond that was given to you in just a moment. That, that's really the, the import of what Jesus is trying to say, is you've been given resources beyond what you even understand. So often, isn't it true that we think we have so little? We have so little influence. We have so little money. We have so little time. We have so little energy. We have so little. Nobody respects me. Nobody trusts me. Nobody, whatever it might be, but I want you to know God has entrusted in you more than you could ever imagine. There's something else I want us to see, though. We don't all get the same amount. We don't all get the same amount. Now, God values each of us equally. I want you to understand that. You're not less if you're a two-talent person than a five-talent. And how do you figure that out? I've come to the conclusion that if you're a five-talent in one area, you're probably only a one in some other area. And you're a five somewhere. So don't sweat that. You're not less than somebody in the kingdom of God. But in regards to ability in certain areas, you're less. It's just the way it is. This idea that we're all equal in every area of our life is, is not biblical. And you don't all have the same opportunities. And so while one has an opportunity over here, you may have less. You know, we, we often compare ourselves, right, to other people. We see ourselves as a one talent, and we see somebody else as a five talent. We think, I'll never be able to do what, I, what they can do. You know, if you're a pastor, you, you look at Andy Stanley. He's written books. He preaches tremendously. He's got a podcast. He can probably even sing. I don't know. But I, <laughs> and you're like, what's going on with that? God, can't you, can't you spread it out a little bit more fairly here? <laughs> Let's be honest, you feel the same way in your life in certain areas, and you think, God, why did you give them all that ability? Why did you give them all that opportunity, all that influence, and why did you leave me with just this? Well, I want you to know, God expects you to use what you've been given. You haven't been cheated out. No, quite the contrary. You've been blessed beyond what you even know to use. You see, we aren't responsible for what somebody else has been given. We're responsible for what we've been given. So don't worry about their ability. Take your eyes off the person next to you. Stop comparing yourself and start looking inside and figuring out how has God shaped me? That's what this series is all about. How has God shaped me? What has he given me and trusted to me? And how can I use that for his kingdom? It's more than I can even imagine if I'll let him use it. Now, this is huge. I want you to see this. The abilities, and the, in this case, the money was entrusted to each of the servants. It was, it was given to them, but it wasn't theirs. It was given to them, but it wasn't theirs. 
See, the gifts and the abilities and all the influence that God has given you isn't your own. Your life is not your own. See, God is the owner of all, and he's the creator, and that means we're his. And he says, I want you to manage what I've given you. It's not yours to decide. Heard that there was a story, there was an elderly woman, she was in grocery shopping one day, and she came out, and lo and behold, when she went to her car, there were four guys in her car. Well, she happened to have a handgun. And she, she pulled out that handgun. She started waving, told them to get out of her car. She was not giving in to carjackers. Well, they got out of the car. They left the other side. They took off. And she got into her car. She was shaking. She pulled her keys out. She couldn't almost get it in the ignition. And she couldn't get it in. It didn't fit. She started looking, and there, one row up and a couple over was her car. So she got out of her car, and she went to or that car, and she went out to her car, and sure enough, it fit. She quickly drove to the police station, turned herself in, and she's sitting there talking to the police sergeant, telling him what happened, and the guy just starts laughing, and he points over, and there at a desk over on the side were four guys reported to carjacking by this elderly woman with a handgun. <laughs> she thought it was hers, and it wasn't. Do you know you and I live that way? We think our life is our own. We think the money that we receive from the paycheck that we earn is ours. We think that our influence and our place of position and our privilege or whatever else is ours to use the way we want. And we're just like that lady. We're deceived. We're in the wrong car. See, what you have has been given to you to be used by God for his kingdom. And yes, it's going to bless you as it's in your hands, but if it sticks to your finger, if you don't allow his grace to flow through you, if you don't allow his resources to flow through you to do his work, you're going to miss out on the greatest blessing that God wants in your life. What you have isn't yours. When Paula had a recent uh, hip injury, this has been, actually, it wasn't a hip injury. It felt like it. It was actually uh, shingles. And uh, this was about a year ago or so, I guess, whatever it was. Went to this doctor to see if he could help her. And when they were there, when we were there, doctors were asking all these, you know, they asked these questions. And, and uh, so they asked, you know, what's your, you know, what's your husband do? And found out I was a pastor. And the guy all of a sudden stopped. He just, so does your husband own the church? And it was the craziest question. I said, no, we don't own the church. I don't know where that mindset even, even came in. But the reality is, I don't own the church. You and I don't own the church. If you've been here for all 27 years that the valley's been in existence, none of us own the church. And you don't own your life. See, none of us own that. We've been entrusted it by God. But we're responsible to him to accomplish his mission. And what is his mission? To seek and to save the lost. That's his primary goal for you and I. That's, our, that's his primary goal for this church united. It's his primary goal for you individually as you make up the church. And I want you to know, as a church, we will always take all that we are in any moment in time and we will invest it in the kingdom of God. We will not play it safe. Because God has not called us to do that. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have ever said yes to Jesus, you're not called to play it safe either. You're not called to play it safe. All that you've been given has been called to be invested in the kingdom. And yes, your family and your needs are part of that kingdom of God, and God will direct some to there. 
You know, one of the things, when I, when I use the word risk, some people get a little bit concerned. Risk, that sounds like gambling. That sounds like throwing the dice. I, I got another definition of risk. And I, I understand, there can be, some people are risk takers in a sense that it's just, there's no rhyme or reason. We're just gonna take a long shot and go. That's not what I'm talking about here. See, risk, according to God's word, is an investment in something that maybe you can't see how it's all going to come out, but God's promised it's going to work. It's really faith. The risk we're talking about, being missional risk takers, it seems like a risk to us. It feels like a risk because we can't see how it's going to come out. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. We don't have the influence. We don't even see the strategy. We just don't see how this can all work, and yet we know God's called us to take that step. And that's what faith is. It's daring the soul to go beyond what the eye can see. That, that's the risk I'm talking about. And God has called us to be missional risk takers with everything that he's invested in our life. And you and I have to decide, is God good for what he said? He gives us commands in his word. We don't have to question whether that's God's will or not, there are a lot of things in his word that make it very clear. And with every command is a promise that God says, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to come through. Do you believe God for what you can't yet see? That's really the question. Because if you don't, you won't be a missional risk taker. As a church, we won't be missional risk takers. We'll play it safe. We'll circle the wagons. We'll be really careful. And yet, if we trust God, we'll take him at his word and we'll do some of the things that we see some of the patriarchs and matriarchs in God's word in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We'll, we'll be like those who were giants in the faith who, who couldn't see how it was all going to come out, but they trusted that God was good for what he said. Let's go on with the story. It says, the man, Jesus is telling the story, the man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold or the talents uh, gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with many things. I will put you in charge. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And Jesus is making it very clear that God the Father is entrusting everything in your hands. And he entrusts it to the disciples so that all of us would come to know Jesus. And, and he entrusts it in their hands and he expects a, a return. You know, we just came through the Revelation series, and what do we talk about? We talked about there were two books. At Judgment, there's going to be the book, of the, the, the book of Life, and that is, did you trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Did you trust in what he did on the cross to forgive your sin and to make you new and restore you? Did you trust that his death on the cross came at you, in your place to pay the price that you never could pay? You see, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you're written into the Lamb's book of life. But then there's a second book, and that second book is the book of deeds. And the book of deeds says, what'd you do with the life God gave you? When he remade you, when he restored you, when he entrusted you with the resources 
and the gifts and the abilities and the place that he's put you in life, what do you, what'd you do with it? See, that's, and I really believe it, as it talks about in the New Testament, it talks about, it talks about the crowns that will throw it at Jesus' feet. I really believe these crowns are the, are, are the deeds, the, the way we've lived our life, what we've done with what God's given us. I think that's part of what we get to shower him back with. They're commended for taking risks. They're commended for their faith and in, in investing what they've been given in the kingdom of God. But there's there more to the story. It says, then the man who had received the one bag came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. So here's what belongs <laughs> to you. He made excuses. You know what's really interesting here? It really comes down to how he views God. You notice it? He said, I was afraid of who? He was afraid of God. Why? Because he thought he was a hard man, that, that he wasn't merciful, that he wasn't kind, that he was unfair. That's really what this, this man with the one bag is saying. I don't trust you, God. You're unfair. You're unmerciful. You're unkind. You know, if you have that view of God today, you're not going to be a risk taker. You're not going to trust that God is going to keep his promises, and you're never, you're never going to take the steps of faith that God has called you to take. God hasn't called you to give in to fear and excuses. He's called you to take steps of faith based on his word, to follow the commands, and even though you don't know how it's going to come out, even though it's beyond what you can see, to take that step anyway. That's a missional risk taker. He calls churches to do that, and he calls people to do that. What is the risk that God's calling you to take today? What is the step of faith that's been holding you back, that you haven't taken yet? You know God is calling you to take it. You know it's a command. It's a call in your life, and yet you've been scared. You don't have the resources. You're wondering if God's going to really keep his promise. Is he going to honor what he's called you to do? Or are you going to fall flat on your face? Are people going to be saying, I told you so, that was dumb? What is the thing that God's called you to do? What is the risk that you need to take right now? What would you do if you knew that you couldn't fail? What would you do today if you knew that you couldn't fail? Well, I want you to know if it lines up with God's commands, if it lines up with his call on your life, you cannot fail. So what are you waiting on? It says, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Ooh, this isn't going so well. So you knew that a harvest where I had not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to, one, to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, for they will have an abundance. You see, God honors our risk-taking. He honors those steps of faith. And when you take a step of faith, you're going to get more responsibility, more resources. It may, not, it may not always come out exactly the way you think it ought to, but, but, but God's plan is far greater than you and your mind and way you can understand it. But I want you to know 
that he's going to entrust more to you than you ever had before. It says, for whoever have, has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And he says this, and he says, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, one thing I want to say here is that we have to be careful not to create a whole theology based on, on, on not the main thrust of the parable. This isn't the main thrust of the parable. The main thrust is, are you trusting God? Are you using his resources? You're to, you're to take steps of faith. I, I don't think this means you're going to get thrown into hell. I do think it means you're going to suffer loss and regret if you don't take the steps of faith God's called you to take as a believer. I really believe that's what's happening here. So here's the question. What do we do? If God has called us to everything we have is his, and he's the owner, we're his managers, he's called us to invest it in his kingdom, to use it all for him, then, then what are we to do? What should we do today? Well, you're going to have to decide to take a step of faith to grow the kingdom, and, and you need to dream big. You need to dream big and not small. Because the reality is that God has called you to make a difference in this world. Do you know it takes faith to either trust God for his promises? It takes faith also to fear God. You know, because the reality is, if you fear God, you're saying, God, you can't do it. I don't think you can keep your promises. Or you can land on the side of faith that says, God, even though I can't see it, I believe you're good. You're faithful. You'll do what you say you can do. And here's what I've learned in life. Those who live out the commands of God experience the miracles of God. If you don't live out the commands of God, if you don't take steps of faith, if you aren't a missional risk taker in your life and in the church, you're never going to experience the miracles of God. In fact, what you have will be taken from you. You'll actually suffer great loss. If you want to see miracles in your life, I'll just tell you, when there's a miracle in your life, when there's a, God works a miracle through you, you receive some of the blessing. You cannot, you cannot separate yourself from what God is doing in the world. And yes, while he uses you as a conduit, some of it rubs off in your life. You will discover the fulfillment that you always hoped. You will have the joy of being used by God in amazing ways. You'll find out why you're here. So the question is, what step is God calling you to take? What step is God calling you to take today? Maybe some of you, you've never said yes to Jesus. The first step for you is just to say, you know, I don't understand, Jesus, everything about what you've called me to do. I don't understand everything about you, but I'm going to trust that when you died on the cross, you died for me. I don't want my sins forgiven, so I'm going to ask you to forgive my sins. I'm going to ask you to make me a child of God. Cleanse me, restore me, help me to repent and turn from from the things in my life that haven't been right so I, can, so I can focus on you, so I can follow you. And maybe that's the risk you need to take today. Here's the thing, a risk it isn't really a risk if you're doing what God's called you to do. It just feels like a risk. But faith is believing in what you can't see. You don't know how it's gonna come out. And for you, maybe that's the step. For some of you, maybe it's joining a life group. We've talked about doing life together, but here's the thing. It's risky to share your life with other people, to let them see inside of you, and to begin to build relationships with other people, because God might call you to begin to invest in those people, and, and like, I like being a lone ranger. I like, I don't really want to get connected with people, because that might demand something of me, and yet God has called you to take the risk of being known and know, 
knowing others. For some of you, one of my greatest steps in my spiritual journey was the risk of tithing. It was, it was just this, hey, God has called us to put him first, and the way he asks us to do that is to give him the first 10% of our income. And when you do that, you're saying, God, you're first in my life. And the risk was, God, I won't have enough. And when we started with that whole journey, we didn't have enough. Like, we didn't have any money in the bank to to, to, to if, if something went wrong, there was no way to fix the car. There, there, was, there was not enough income to pay all the expenses. I mean, we were in bad shape, and yet God called us to do that. Like, that seemed really risky, that the 90% was going to go further than 100%. And yet, we took what seemed like a risk, because God's word says, trust me in this and see if I won't pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough to contain it. And so we said, we're going to take that step of faith. We don't understand how we can pay the bills if we do this but God, we're either going to trust you or we're going to say you're a hard man and you aren't merciful and you aren't kind and you don't keep your promises. We're at a crossroads here. I, I, don't, I, I just want to challenge you today. You're all at a step of faith. You're all at a place where God's called you to take a risk, to take a spiritual step of faith, and even you don't know how it's going to come out. Maybe it's to forgive somebody. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's to launch a new ministry, and God's calling you to make an impact in the world. You see something that's broken, and you can fix it. Maybe you're being called to be a foster parent or, or adopt a child because God wants to use you to bring justice in the world. I don't know what it is. But we all come to that crossroads. If we're going to be the kind of people Jesus has called us to be, then we're going to have to be missional risk takers. Will you do that? Because here's what I've learned. God wants us, you and I, to realize that the world desperately needs us to live up to what he's created us to be. Because when we are, when we trust him for what we can't yet see, look what it says in Philippians, then you will shine among them, among the world, among the people who are watching like stars in the sky. Th that's a brilliant faith. See, when we don't trust God for the big things, and when you don't let him work through you, the world's not amazed. I'm just telling you. There's nothing exciting about that. But we don't want to be the people who just talk about what Jesus said to do. We want to actually do it, and that requires risk. But here's the thing. You'll never do it if you don't change this kind of thinking. You're going to have to trust that God is a God of plenty. So many of us think that God has like 10 widgets or 10 piles of gold, and you get five, and you get two, and you get three, and there's none left for me. There's no, there's no way this can work out. And we think God is limited, but God is not limited. God's economy is so different than ours. He's the God of immeasurably more, and you're going to have to trust that because otherwise you're not going to take the risk that God's called you to take. Here's what I've discovered in life. When God calls you to take a step of faith, you don't have enough. You aren't enough. You don't have enough influence. You don't have enough people. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough wisdom. You don't have enough. But whatever you have, if you'll trust God for the rest, he'll provide in ways you can't even imagine. When Moses went to the Red Sea, what he had? Just a little staff. That's all he had. And yet God used that to rescue the Israelites. When Jesus was teaching all those people, they needed to feed him. And the little boy came with just a few loaves and a few fish. That's all he had. And God used that little that he had to feed the 5,000 and all the women and children. 
The disciples are out fishing. They're on the boat. They got a net. They aren't doing any good. They're not do- and yet, God takes those fishermen, that boat and that net, and he says, cast on the other side. And they have so many fish, the boat begins to sink. When God calls you to take a step, the reason it seems risky is you don't have it yet. Don't wait until you have it because it ain't coming. It's not coming until you take the step, even though you don't know how it's going to come out, even though you can't yet see it. Actually, you do know how it's going to come out if you trust God. Because I love, I love this passage. It said, this is the psalmist. He says, I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. I've never once seen God fail. I've never once seen him not come through. And you know what's true for individuals is true for churches. We, uh, we're about to launch another campus one of these days coming up. I think, who knows, it might be sooner than later. And you know when we launched the Troy campus, it just seemed like such a huge risk. Like we're going to send 100 people out and it's going to take a quarter million dollars and we don't have the leader, we don't have the people, we don't have the location. We, and yet we really sense that God made it very clear in his word, we're to go make disciples. That's a command. And there's a promise that goes with that. And, and did, did he clearly tell us to launch the Troy campus? He impressed it in my heart. That was the, the step to take. That was the way to go, to send out some of who we have and to take a risk. And so we started that journey, brought Mark and Jessica here. And you know, I remember as we were getting closer to the launch time, we still didn't have all the money. We still didn't have a location. And guess what? We only had 25 people that wanted to go. And we're like, whoa. Mark came to me. I'm like, what are we going to do? This, this. And we were talking it through. And he wasn't lacking faith. He's like, they're just don't, what do I do? How do I get the other 75 that we thought we needed? And and you know, over time, the 25 turned into 35, and then 45, and then 55, and then 80, and then 100. And when we launched, I want you to know, we didn't, when we started, have the money and the time and the energy and the people. And yet God provided along the way. When we stepped into the water, when we took that first step and said, God, we believe you're, gonna, you're the God of unlimited resources. You're the God of immeasurably more. We're going to take that step. We're going to invest all we are as a church. We're not going to play it safe because there are people who are dying that don't know you. And so we're going to take it. And there were concerns. Well, what happens to the Pickle Campus? Could, could we go, and we sent 100 people out. That's over $100,000 in tithes and offering. What, what's going to happen here? We won't have enough people, great leaders are leaving and, and, and money. And how, how's that going to, a lot of questions. You know, God has honored that step. There were 100 people that we sent. Do you know that there are now over 400 people that are part of the Troy campus, quadrupled the number of people that we sent. Do you know that when we started, we had about $15,000 a month that came in for the Troy campus. It's now $45,000 a month that comes in for the Troy campus, which has allowed us to hire the right staff and bring the team together to do what needs to be done to, to, to disciple all the people who are coming. But you know the greatest thing that's happened? Since the Troy campus has launched, 37 people have been baptized. Yeah, that's right. 37 people who many didn't know Jesus Christ came to a relationship with him and took that step of faith. That's what it's all about. None of that would have happened. The joy and the blessing of being part of a church that gets to see God do miracles in people's lives, none of that would have happened hadn't we take the step of faith. So what I, 
I'm asking all of us to do in our own individual lives to be missional risk takers, to take God's word and to let him build in our heart whatever it is that he wants to do and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. I'm going to take that step. What I'm calling you to do as individuals, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to trust as a church. Right now, we have been about two-thirds of the way through an interview process with a, a campus pastor for Sydney. We don't know if it's God's will yet. We don't know if it's going to work out. But I know we've been stepping through, taking a step, interviewing, praying, assessments, interviewing, praying. There's another step that'll be a church planning assessment. And it's, it's also for campus pastors. And it's a 360-degree, three-day intensive time with a, with a candidate and their spouse where you really take a look. Is, is this the right fit? Is, this, is, is church planning or being a campus pastor part? Do they have the skills and the abilities and the, and the, and the gifting for that? So we're stepping through. We don't know what God's going to do, but we're also, because God has blessed us, because we're taking those kind of steps, I believe God's already opened the floodgates. Finances, for instance, in the last, um, this last month alone uh, was a record-giving month for the Valley Church. That means you guys are being faithful and you're trusting God. And those resources, those aren't extra resources. You know where we're doing them? We're putting them in a church planning fund. We're putting them in an ex-campus fund, and we have $150,000 already set aside to launch a new campus, because it isn't just about us. And I want you to know, as your pastor, we're going to take all that we are right now, Piqua, Troy, the Valley Church, and we're going to invest it. We're going to invest it in the kingdom of God. God's calling us to take a risk. How's it going to come out? I believe it's already clear. Every resource we need, every person we need, God's going to provide. You know what's been great? Is that not only has the Troy campus done those things, but I could tell you about all the baptisms here at the Pickle campus, all the new people who have come to the Pickle campus, and all those people who've left have been replaced and then some. See, God is a God of unlimited resources, and if you'll trust that in your own life, God's going to do amazing things. So here's the challenge. What's the thing God's calling you to do in your life? What's the risk that he's calling you to take? The thing that feels like a risk, but is really just a step of faith because it's buried in his word. It's a, a command that God's given you, and he's given you a promise with it, and he's faithful. Never once has he failed. What's that thing for you? Will you do it? Will you take that step? Because when you do, I'm going to tell you, it's going to unlock other steps in your spiritual journey and you're going to experience the miracles of God in your life, and other people are going to experience it, and then you're going to be like this brilliant, shining star of faith that people are attracted to because they need God. And when they see the miracle and the risks you're taking, they're going to say, how can you do that? How can you trust that? And they're going to see that there's a God who is faithful behind it all, and they're going to be drawn to him. That's why that's part of who we are, we take risks individually, we take steps of faith individually, and we do it as a church because God's called us to. It's how we show trust in him, and it's how the world's going to be changed. Pray with me. Father, I just thank you for this people who have been willing to take steps of faith, who, who have trusted you. Father, would you bless them in even greater ways? Would you give them more influence? Would you give them more opportunity? Would you open up more doors for them? Would you, would you give them greater gifting in the areas where they've trusted you? And Father, for those who have held back, who've feared, 
that maybe you aren't good, that if they, if they begin to take these spiritual steps that people are going to say, I told you so, and they're going to fail, and it's not going to work out, would you help them to trust you? Would you help them to see you for who you really are? And when they experience your blessing in their life, Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to do that as a church, that we, that we, that we won't get scared about taking the next step to reach more people because that's what you called us to do, to seek and to save the lost, both in our lives and in the church together. Father, would you help us be that kind of a people? Would you help us not shrink in fear, <laughs> but to look to you in hope and in trust and to, just to see your miracle through us? Lord, I just pray for that person who's struggling to take that step. Would you just overcome their fear and would you grant them faith, the, the, the faith that they need to take the step, and would you bless them and honor that? We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go take that step of faith. Go change the world. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.